0: Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Coach Me Plus. Coach Me Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that we've been lucky enough to implement here for over two years now. The product in and of itself is exactly what you need it to be, guys, with options ranging from being a workout provider, as in sending the workout directly to the student-athletes' phones, to being a place where you can communicate with them and bring together multiple streams of data to be its own dashboard for you, your coaching staff, or the athletes. Or you can use what we've added to our our menu of Coach Me Plus activities, and that's the hydration station, where all of this information that is provided is based off of research from the Corey Stringer Institute, where we're looking at weighing in versus weighing out and then providing optimal hydration uh, strategies for the student-athletes by them selecting through the menu and tapping on what they'll take home with them and what they're consuming prior to the next practice um, when all the numbers at the top are lined up green. It's something we've had really good success with and the kids have really bought in on. Just another great example of the awesome product that you can find at CoachMePlus.com. Guys, uh, hop over to CoachMePlus.com today and check it out. It's a product I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content it provides, be sure to hop over and check out the community. The community is an exclusive member's website that is just an extension of what we do here in July at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar. What it is is a combination of video lectures, a coach's corner with your Monday morning take-home information, and a forum where you can talk about anything and everything related to the field of strength and conditioning. In the community, you'll find content added each month from some of the top practitioners in the world ranging from PhDs to high-level coaches, bringing you exactly what they're doing with their athletes or their research at the present moment. On top of that, an additional discussion by coaches, bringing you that Monday morning information, things that you can add to your training program right away, tying that in with the opportunity to discuss with coaches around the world in the forum on anything and everything, from the topics addressed in these presentations to whatever you're seeing in your daily life as a coach. If this sounds like the right thing for you and your staff, Go ahead and hop over to CVASPS.com community and try it out for 48 hours for just a dollar. If you like it, you're signed up, ready to roll, and you're jumping into all the great content added each month. If not, feel free to go ahead and cancel at any time. No questions asked. We're really excited about what we're building in the community and hope you are too. Go ahead and hop over to CVASPS.com community and check it out today. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, I am joined by the University of Louisville's Jason Dierking, and we are going to talk about evaluating athletes. Jason first gets into talking about how they actually set the tests up, what they're looking at, and how they actually quantify what each test or each evaluation they're looking at. We then get into how that actually drives training, the role of monitoring and how different times of the year yield different uh, responses to what those tests are when we're looking at the micro level with each athlete versus the macro level for the whole team. We then start talking a little bit about how going from field sports into the water, how that changes with the swimmers and, and how different evaluations are used there and really how it's all based on the coach's culture this is a really awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. And, all right. Jason, thank you so much for being on with us today, man.
1: I'm excited, Jay. Thank you so much for the invite. I know it took a little while, but I'm excited to be on talking to you now.
0: Yeah, man. I'm, I'm really excited because we're going to get to talk about something that I think uh a lot of us need help with and that's energy system development conditioning whatever we want to call it and how we evaluate our student athletes so how about you start with what you're doing out there at louisville with it and uh how it's kind of been evolved and where you're going forward
1: yeah um well you know i think uh for us you know starting back in the uh in the fall summer really um i work with men's soccer in particular and and I think you know team sports conditioning energy systems we call it we try to call it bioenergetics now kind of get out of that energy systems mindset um, and uh, you know assessment is a is a huge starting point and uh, and I think in it, it's an area where even at the collegiate level there's a lot of room for still growth and development and understanding Um I think uh, I see still a lot of uh, teams doing conditioning tests that uh, you look out there and you see such a variety of conditioning tests when it comes to field sports, even the difference between when you look at men's soccer versus women's soccer, same sport, same kind of demands, and they're testing completely different things. And you look out there and you see their fitness tests and you're kind of wondering what aspect or what metabolic quality are they really testing? It's hard to tell. Um, because it's all this variety of intervals or whatever. And um, and they might be chosen because of, um, you know, the, 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 they've done it historically. They've seen other teams do it. Um, and the results simply um, at the end of the day are kind of a pass-fail uh, mindset. and um, but, but you can't really hone in and say, what is the metabolic quality that I'm actually testing? Um, and so... When you get all the results, really all you can do is kind of put your team in rank order, and it might tell you who's good at that test. Um, But then when you actually train and then retest, uh, what led to improvements or lack of improvements, um, and in what areas? So what we try to do is just really uh, hone in on what metabolic qualities that you're actually trying to identify. And and for us, it's really simple. It's it's anaerobic power, anaerobic capacity, and then aerobic power and aerobic capacity. Um, and they all fall within one of those four areas. And, and aerobic power and capacity are pretty similar, really. Um, so uh, that's the starting point. Is and, and we really have to define those parameters. What defines each of those metabolic qualities?
0: Okay. So let's go right into that. How do you define them? And then how do you evaluate them uh, with the young men that you're working with?
1: Well, for our, our team sports, you know, our running-based sports, we want to we wanna try to focus on running-based tests. Um, and so uh, the parameters for anaerobic capacity are pretty simple. It's one to five seconds maximal effort, regardless of kind of what modality you're testing, a windgate test on the bike, um, a vertical jump, or a linear sp- sprint. Um, and so for us when we're, when we're looking at these qualities and and we're looking at running based modalities primarily. So, um, we're looking at for anaerobic power, one to five seconds, maximal effort that's defines anaerobic power for us. And we want to measure it in we have kind of gone back and forth, going between velocity and Watts, um, looking at like power to weight, um, which I think is appropriate in contact sports. But when you're talking about maybe basketball, um, tennis, soccer, field hockey, lacrosse, um, I think velocity is probably a better measure because contact and power is maybe not as as indicative of, of actual performance. Um, uh, and so when we're assessing, we wanna look at velocity. So we break it down to meters per second. Um, and so we get it not just a time, we want an actual meters per second, a very, very consistent measure across the board. Um, then anaerobic capacity, would would be next and that's um there's a lot more gray area in that um but our parameters for that are 30 to 60 seconds again of maximal effort and if we do it in terms of say like a wind gate test where I kind of go back to that because everybody kind of understands that Um, 30 seconds peak power maximal effort for 30 seconds, empty the anaerobic tank, so to speak. Um, and so you get power output from the first five seconds as your peak anaerobic power, and you get your anaerobic capacity from the average power of the 30-second of the effort. So what we're trying to do is kind of mirror that within a running-based test. So uh, if you go to Steve Magnus' Science of Running, he'll say, uh, you know, a typical uh, anaerobic capacity test for a Track and field distance runners, uh, a 600 meter sprint, uh, sprint, which is going to fall probably a little outside, maybe that 60 second window uh, for your elites even, but um, but again, it's it's probably a little bit more applicable to that demographic. So when we're talking about our um, our uh, field sport athletes, we want to look at um, what is their average pow- power or average velocity. Um, over that effort, Uh, what is maybe a fatigue index, look at a a, a, um, protocol that allows us to kind of gauge fatigue rate, and then if we have the ability to even track lactate uh, production, which would be a a great um, measure of anaerobic uh, energy production. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we do is a a repeated sprint test, which is uh, six by 35 meters, linear fashion, um and we give them a 10 second recovery in between repetitions. so we're trying to minimize that aerobic influence um, in in the total effort so six reps we go down and back we set up uh we set up timers going in one direction timers coming back in the other direction um so they have uh just really about a 10 meter deceleration a Window and then they hop over a lane and they're set at the uh, at the next start line to come back um, So we minimize the rest period there uh, Which uh, makes the whole total effort uh, more anaerobic in total and so uh, Electronically timed we get the uh, we get the six reps uh, we get indication of a sprint decrement by looking at what is your best rep and then uh what is the average of the six reps and then we look at the difference between what your theoretical best is taking your best time times six uh, and what the actual total sum of those times are Um, and so we get a sprint decrement uh, which we feel is a better measure than just simply subtracting your best from your worst Uh, because over six reps you could have a really good sustained effort and then a really poor one on the last rep, or uh, you could have uh, a fairly steady decline over all six. So sprint decrement is probably a little bit better measure of our fatigue index. Um, And then last, and then then we've done it before, if we have the ability to do a three minute or a five minute post lactate uh, draw, even better. and then, uh, lastly, our, our uh, beep test is kind of our go-to um, aerobic measure, and that's just simply a graded exercise test, looking at one-minute stages to exhaustion. And you know, so you could do various protocols on the uh, on the uh, treadmill, or obviously, field-based is a little bit better way to go for us, a little bit more practical. So that kind of completes our profile. We have anaerobic power, anaerobic capacity and aerobic capacity. And, and we put all of those, um, uh, all of those in a profile to, you know, really look at where their strengths and weaknesses lie.
0: Okay. Now for now, like the, the beep test or one of the, uh, intermittent recoveries,
1: which we do, do endurance level one beep test. Okay. Um, I don't, I, we, we haven't done the intermittent recovery um, and I know people kind of like that from the intermittent um, mm-hmm. intermittent aspect of that. Uh, again, I, I think that, you know, we, we try to get away from the mindset of uh, okay, soccer is say an interval based sport. You you run, you, you jog, you rest, you repeat. And so the fact that there's a break, um, is not the, probably the best reasoning to, to say I want the intermittent over the endurance. We simply want a graded exercise test to exhaustion. Um, even though that, that, um, that intermittent is, is similar to that. Um, we want to say this is, we're testing a, a, a specific metabolic quality and this is the way we're going to approach it.
0: hundred percent. No, I love it. And I, I've always used this the regular beef test too, and and most people are like, well, the intermittent one or you know, the you know yeah. intermittent two, and I'm like, well, what are you actually trying to to, to find out? Like, mm-hmm. we know like what we're trying to find out from this test, so that's why we do this test. Like, right. I don't buy a turkey if I want a hamburger. Like,
1: I just, <laughs> this is what I want to do. So now, it doesn't change and it doesn't change regardless of what yeah. sport you play. We're, we're looking at what is the the strength of the aerobic uh, system?
0: hundred percent, man. Yes. And it, I love that. So now you've run your battery of tests. You've got your spreadsheet out. You got all your information in front of you. What's next for Jason?
1: So what we look at is, is, is try to, um, identify really where, um, where the strengths and weaknesses lie. So, obviously rank order, um, looking at um, Z scores and trying to put a percentage rank according to best times, historical best times, and, uh, and, and rank within the team. Um, and so if we kind of create this radar graph uh, for, for all three measures, uh, anaerobic power, anaerobic capacity, aerobic capacity, Um, and we create this metabolic profile and then we can really kind of objectively a good visual of kind of seeing, um, where their, where their strengths and and their weaknesses lie. And then that ideally will guide us a little bit more in terms of, uh, where obviously where the strengths and weaknesses lie like I said and, and what maybe the focus needs to be But then working in conjunction with the coaches to kind of say hey, what, what is obviously positional? What is the demands of the position in the sport require and then kind of laying out? guidelines to say if we've got a kid for example At say a fifth if you're familiar with the inter- endurance beep test if You got a kid running a 15-6 on the beep test But we see anaerobic power, poor anaerobic power, poor average anaerobic capacity. Well, I think the mindset a lot of times is to say, okay, well, the next time out, your goal is to beat your previous time. And and that's kind of the standard or, you know, we're looking for across the board, whether, you know, you're looking at a men's soccer team where you got some kid running a 12, a 13, up to a 15. Are you expecting the same rate of improvement or whatever from all? kids. Um, Well, this allows us to kind of say, listen, we've got our kind of our minimum standard. We've got our performance, our metabolic profile says that this kid is as fit as we need him to be in the aerobic capacity. So now we really don't need to focus on that. And if we give up a little bit, if he actually decreases a little bit of that at the expense of improving his anaerobic capacity or power, that's probably a pretty good trade-off. So it allows us to kind of say objectively, you know, we don't need this kid to necessarily improve or even maintain. He's overfit. He's as fit aerobically as he needs to be to perform at the level we need him to for 90 minutes. Now let's focus on, you know, another area, strength, anaerobic power, anaerobic capacity.
0: So you have, do you break this into buckets? Like you put guys into groups. Do you have it set so that like, each specific student athlete is now prescribed something specifically. Like, how does uh, how does that work for you? Because I know that I mean, just with scheduling and then sheer numbers, like that individual aspect can be difficult, especially when it's just you running the show.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, no, it, the the grouping uh, aspect is really how we go about it. Um, you know, in season now. It's a lot more management based on who's getting the minutes and who's not. Um, and so, you know, at some point we, we get into kids that are going to be redshirting and, and then we can start to move more into kind of specific work for them more long term. Um, but in season, it's all about management. And we're fortunate enough to have um, a full time performance uh, uh, analytics position, doing a lot of our data analytics for us. Uh, we use catapult, we use polar from the metabolic mechanical aspect of things. So we're really trying to, um, manage acute to chronic ratios and stuff like that. So, um, that's in season, out of season. Yeah, we, we, um, we focus a lot more on kind of the group, uh, aspect in terms of individualizing things. Um, you know, early off season, we're really focused on developing, um, Developing good anaerobic, uh, or I'm sorry, aerobic capacity. So a lot of the guys are doing a lot of the same type of things, and then as we get into that 20 hour period, uh, our supplemental work is a little bit more individualized based on what the guys need, and you know, obviously, kind of the expectations as far as supplemental stuff changes based on their needs.
0: How does the information that you receive from the people run? Well, first of all, are you running or pulling the data from either catapult or polar and if you are what are you looking at and if not how does that information how do you utilize that information that's being brought back to you
1: we we gather the information through uh through catapult Mm -hmm. um and so we capture the the heart rate through catapult um and so um yeah so we're, we're obviously we're looking at um you know daily and weekly loads uh, handled you know by our data analysts on the field collecting that information and then putting it into team reports um, and then making sure that obviously we're falling within kind of the uh, the weekly layout um, looking at kind of a weekly budget in terms of load and and distances and you know high speed metrics and things like that and um, and then kind of as we get into the season, it kind of flows. Uh, you know, we, we look at, um, you know, managing, obviously, uh, you know, fitness uh, to a point, but it's more about really uh, handling recovery so uh, and managing recovery properly. So um, I think if that answers your question.
0: No, yeah, 100%. So then when you get into the off-season, are you still utilizing that technology or is this more of time-based versus outputs in physiological output based?
1: Uh, well, we're, we're limited a little bit, um, in terms of numbers, but, uh, yeah, we, um, uh, off season, um, our in season teams have priority in terms of the, uh, in terms of the technology. Um, but we're pretty well outfitted to have everybody using this full time, even in the off season. So, um we're we're still managing uh both uh the mechanical and the and the metabolic um aspects all through the year. Um I think we're probably a, maybe a little bit more metabolic focused in the off season making sure that their uh their fitness is improving at, at, as as we as we need them to be and, and m- primarily from a standpoint of not overtraining them too early in January and February if their season starts in September um And then in season, I think it's probably a little bit more the controlling the distances, the loads, the mechanical stress of, of the season.
0: No. Awesome. That's awesome. Just listening to how you break down the tests, I could see how like looking at, you know, different metrics on catapult would fit in like perfectly with that and how different, you know, ways you could break down your trim score would fit perfect with that. Like, Mm-hmm. Either one or the other, or both together, depending on which of those physical qualities you were working with.
1: Yeah, and and that's you know another another good uh, good, good uh, aspect that is um, you know really starting to tap into the wellness scores and the session RPEs has been uh, I think pretty eye opening for us and knowing um, and and I think you know as much as the technology is so valuable and has taught us so much. As you, and, and maybe I'm saying this because we've had the, uh, the, the um, we, we've had, been fortunate enough to have this for several years and we've learned a lot from it. Coming out of it now that we're doing a little bit more subjective measurements, wellness scores and session RPEs, we're starting to see the, the, comp, the, the correlation. Um, and some of that, the, the session RPEs and the subjective stuff is, I think, as or more valuable. Uh, than the objective stuff. And there's certainly this bell curve with, I think, anything. Uh, and, and you can go too far on either end of it. But um, you've got to find that balance between understanding you can't be a slave to the numbers. You use it as information, and it's hugely valuable. But at the end of the day, you've got to take it in conjunction with the subjective piece and how these players are responding and feeling.
0: Oh, 100%. And I, I think Patrick Ward brought up in his interview like, how they found, like, direct correlations, like, with certain parameters and how, you know, and Althoff has talked about that, how, like, how coming in to the workout or practice, their mindset, so, like, how excited they were or happy they were to train. Yeah. Was, like, improve their outputs and decrease their RPE or vice versa. So, like, if you come in, like, bummed out you're, like, oh, this workout's going to suck. Then all of a sudden it's like your RP is like a nine, but really like your heart rate outputs were like 142, you know? (laughs) Which is crazy to me.
1: I'm really looking forward to to going back and starting to really, um, swimming in particular, as we've just kind of started um, tracking a lot of this stuff and correlating it, um, some of the wellness objective Mm -hmm. pieces, especially... um, Uh, the the mood state and the stress levels and really looking at that piece and how that maybe correlates to their soreness and their fatigue. Um, And, you know, obviously getting out in front of it and then being able to kind of say, here's where this person is stress wise, mood wise. And now let's look at their performance. And uh, yeah, I would not be surprised to see some pretty uh, strong correlations with that stuff.
0: Yeah. Especially with that group. For sure. Because I mean, you already can't be too happy at 5 o'clock in the morning that you have to jump in a box
1: of water. Yeah, you got to make sure that they don't do that wellness score straight out of bed. Yeah, no um, doubt. Get up, do your routine, get to the pool. As soon as you get to your locker, then go ahead and fill it out. Get yeah. yourself a of about 30 minutes minimum.
0: <laughs> no doubt about it. No. But, hey, since you touched upon it, let's talk swimming. Because you guys have been... Uh, i've been doing some big time stuff out there in the water
1: yeah you know we're still uh we're still striving to get uh to climb the mountain and um yeah it's been uh, interesting you know i've i was i got here in 2005 it's it's amazing to think about how long it's been really uh my first interv- uh meeting on my interview was with coach uh, arthur Alviero and uh and we hit it off right away and um and um, yeah, so we're very fortunate. I think we've grown a lot as a program, and um, and we're still, uh, you know, we haven't arrived by any stretch. So uh, we're still fighting to get into that top 10 and now top 5 to really, uh, to, to really continue to realize our goals.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about all that. So how are you looking at those numbers? What numbers are you pulling for the swimmers? And how does that impact any decisions outside of the weight room?
1: Uh, well, we uh, I, I'll start by saying well, we had a really big hire at the beginning of the summer. We uh, we were able to hire a doctor of physical therapy as our new athletic trainer, um, and uh, and so that has really been a I, I think a really big shift in our program, and and uh, and having that aspect um, in terms of assessment and uh, to start with, and really expanding just kind of off of the functional movement screen, which I never really felt like had a had a huge amount of value for us somewhat, you know, from a dry land standpoint, but really looking more now specifically at some of the swimming um, KPIs and um, and looking at really specific joint ranges of motion, which he's been able to add in. So I think that's been one of the things that's been a, a, a really big addition for us. Um, and just some of the individualized work and some of the, just kind of the shift in the mindset of, um, really blurring the lines between the training room and the weight room. Um, and so, you know, he sees uh, some of our swimmers for uh, treatment in the weight room. It's not kind of, here's your here, here's where you go for your strength and performance work, and here's where you go for your rehab or your treatment. Um, and so that shift has been good. So we're starting to look, you know, we're looking at uh, internal, external range of motion for the shoulder, uh, for the hip, for our breaststroke and IM group, um, biting score for – global hypermobility, uh, grip strength, that kind of indicates a little bit of posterior rotator cuff uh, stability, um, and, uh, and upper body Y balance. Um, uh, yeah, so, and and just kind of breaking up that FMS a little bit, looking at overhead squat, um, sh- shoulder mobility, active straight leg raise and push-up, and kind of taking out a couple of the other ones. Um, I think some of those to kind of group in and really identify the the mobility versus stability uh, aspects and kind of red flag and or try to get out in front of some potential issues uh, with some of our swimmers because you see you know body types all all across the board um, so that that piece of it is good and then uh, I think uh, the wellness piece that we've we've started to track regularly now has been really eye-opening in a lot of respects and i think is going to be um hugely beneficial going forward as we really try to hone in individually on what we're asking these kids to do um throughout the week and is our organization uh optimal
0: so when you're talking kpis too are you looking at physical ones as well or are you just looking more the therapeutic realm uh for those things
1: yeah, from the assessment standpoint, yeah, really just kind of looking, are they in a healthy range of motion? Are they outside a, a healthy range of motion, which would indicate, you know, if they don't have the corresponding level of stability, um, are they at a higher risk? Um, making the coaches aware of this, um, making sure that maybe we're adjusting a few things in the weight room in terms of um you know, are we asking them to do the right things, going, maybe not going overhead, uh, shifting hand position, grip position, doing certain things like that to make sure that we're just um, in the safest positions possible? No,
0: that's awesome, because uh, yeah. I think that the one thing that I keep taking away from every person that I talk to when it comes to swimming is that the, we can figure out therapeutic uh, like, parameters that we can look at. But when it comes to that sport, actual KPIs are very, very hard yeah. to figure out.
1: Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I would agree.
0: And I don't know if that's, like... I don't know if that's ever going to change, <laughs> unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But let's talk a little bit more about what you're doing with the swim team there, because you guys... I mean, you're talking about, like, we haven't arrived, but you, you had some pretty good success, you know, at least over the last, I don't know, let's say, like, 19 months, going back to trials, a little before trials, and then that meet that was last summer, and then, uh, you know, coming through this year. So let's talk about how that evolution has taken place and what are some things that you're doing that you're seeing some really you're seeing good success with with the swimmers that that you're thinking has some pretty good carryover.
1: well I think you know number one uh I I give I give all the credit to the coaching staff because uh from a recruiting standpoint and and training they are you know 24 7 and uh and and I always kind of I I think you know obviously I have uh a, a degree of influence I don't know how much it is um sometimes but uh, I, I, know back initially, you know, big part of what my role was, was really building and, and instilling really, uh, a new kind of culture and, um, and kind of, a appreciation for what training outside the weight room could do for what you were going to do inside the pool. And, um, and just understanding that you know the the whole objective of what we do outside the weight room is to help them swim faster and uh and that at the end of the day if we're not if we're not achieving those objectives then we're not doing the right things it's not just about a strength coach wanting to get you bigger and stronger and and bench press deadlift whatever it is so uh so 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 really Uh, improving the team component of it. A lot of our dry land initially years back was just kind of uh, putting them in situations where they had to number one, be very highly accountable um, and, uh, and work together Uh, different situations where they had to communicate. And, and, you know, a lot of it was dry land stuff outside where it was team based and competition based. And um, just building that competitive mindset was a huge part of it that I think, uh, we we made huge strides with. Um, Now it's, you know, a lot more about taking some of these kids that are coming in at a higher level, especially some of our international kids, um, integrating them for some of them the first time ever really being in kind of a team first mentality, not a, not a me first mentality and uh, integrating them into the system. um, But then really making sure that we're being a lot more objective, uh, with our assessment and, uh, and some of these kids that have already had a lot of success at the junior level. Um, how are we maintaining that, that team identity, uh, and that team culture, but yet still individualizing as much as we can. So one of the things that we've kind of evolved with is, um, I mean, when when I first got here, I had eight different team responsibilities in two different weight rooms. And we had one swimming came in at 115 every uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, and so now we're at the point where we have, man, we can have three to four different groups in a day and we're, um, pretty much Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, depending on the group. And, um, you know, and, and now we've got our, our sprint group we've got our super sprint group we've got our mid-distance we've got our distance we've got you know our breaststroke IM group that's doing some specific medicine ball work um so that's there's a lot of different grouping kind of aspects and individualized aspects that I think we've uh really expanded over the last few years that I think has probably led to um some more success in certain areas.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I can see that when you don't have seven other teams.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Makes a bit of a difference. Yeah,
0: I don't don't know, maybe. Um, (laughs) But let's talk about something. So you talk about the team aspect. You guys had over half a dozen swimmers participate in in Rio. But they were in four different countries,
1: right? Gosh, we had, we, I think we had eight and out of, and eight different countries.
0: (laughs) Well, it was two Americans, right?
1: In Rio last summer, we had one. It was just Kelsey Worrell.
0: Oh, just Kelsey. Okay. Right.
1: Was in the Olympics. Now last last summer in world championships, uh, Mallory Comerford as well, um, was, was on the world championship team. Right. Um, but in Rio, yeah, I believe it was, I believe it was eight different countries. We had Finland, El Salvador, Uh, gosh, if I could remember them all, Brazil, Finland, uh, the Netherlands, the U S, uh, Venezuela, but I'm not leaving anybody out. We had a a good group. Yes.
0: So how does that, how does that dynamic when you're building the team aspect come together?
1: Well, I think at this point, um, it's, it's one of those things where, I think I think we're very honest with them up front. They kind of know that. And and this this is right now. It's kind of almost runs itself. And I think that that's ultimately the point you want to get to is where the culture is such that um, we can graduate people and get a new class in. And it really doesn't change because the you know the juniors the, the sophomores juniors seniors are so ingrained in what is expected and what the culture is that they take all these new kids under their wing and uh you know and and i i think i think our success some of it is um you know we have had certain individuals that are more resistant and more protective and want to make sure that they're doing what they think they need to do and Uh, And then some I think thrive on it. They come into a team aspect for the first time and they're getting cheered for by their teammates and they're getting encouraged by their teammates and they really thrive off of that. And so one of the things that Arthur really talks about a lot is partnership uh, with us. And so we want to have this mentality of kind of a little bit of give and take and and, uh, respecting feedback, but, you know, within context. And, um, and so some of these uh, kids that come in for the first time, and, and I, I do kind of uh, uh, point out maybe a little bit the, the international kids, um, because, uh, you know, there, there's maybe a little bit more um, flexibility in kind of how we have to handle them. Now, I mean, we don't necessarily bend the rules or anything, but, you know, we have to make sure that um, our communication is good and we're... Right. Yeah. And and the expectations are very clear. Um, But I think as as long as they understand, hey, at the end of the day, this is a partnership and we're trying to get the best out of you. You have to trust us as much as we trust you. And then, you know, that's that's the main thing.
0: Yeah. And imagine that, you know, you bring people in and you make sure that they understand that investment in the team is going to lead to a greater outcome for them. Mm -hmm. And then they buy into something more. You know, it's, uh, imagine that whole thought process, <laughs> you know, actually working.
1: It's amazing. And sometimes it's brand new to some of these kids, which is, which oh. is amazing.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, it's, you know, whenever you deal with European kids, it's funny, you know, cause we were joking before with, with Gina, but like we have a, a Dutch, a young Dutch lady that's on the team now. And, you know, when they come into the weight room, I joke with her and I'm always like, you always walk to the other side of the room that I'm walking to and (laughs) she goes oh it's coincidence and I'm like I didn't think the Dutch believed in coincidences I know (laughs) I know what's going on like I know it's not me I know this is just new to you so let's try to figure out how we can work together here and it's I I think that with a lot of them, you know like they're used to the off season like that first word being Mm -hmm. off you know and it's uh there is a culture shock. And I, and that's really cool to me that you guys can bring in, you know, eight different countries and get these kids to buy into a system and, and, yeah. and believe in each other. You know, that's really because I'm sure their training backgrounds are extensively different.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think, again, from my standpoint from uh, outside the pool, the assessment is really a huge starting point because it begins that conversation and they really start to see, okay, this is not about – just it's uh, this is what i'm going to do because i say so but here are the numbers and this is what we're seeing could potentially increase your risk of injury or here's a gap that we need to fill to make your to maximize your performance this is not about feelings it's just about let's this is our data what our data shows us now let's get to work on what can we do outside the pool to supplement what you're doing inside the pool, and then it's you know a lot simpler of, of a conversation to have.
0: Hundred percent, man. No, that's awesome. Well, Jason, listen, this is some fantastic stuff. I can't thank you enough for spending the time with us today. This is this is great. I, I really appreciate the candidness and, and the openness to share, and it's uh, this is awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, My pleasure, Jay. Likewise. I appreciate all you do and all the information you put out. It's so valuable.
0: Thanks a bunch, man. Well, this will be up real soon. I appreciate your time and we'll be in touch soon, buddy.
1: Sounds good. Take care. You too. And a
0: huge thank you to Louisville's Jason Dierking for taking the time to talk with us today. Guys, fantastic stuff. I mean, just a person sitting there and sharing all the evaluations that they use, why they use them, what they're looking at and how it drives their training. Fantastic stuff. Cannot thank Jason enough for being so open, honest, and candid with his sharing today. Uh, I really do hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you did, as always, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice. Again, just trying to get great information out to all the great coaches out there. So if you did enjoy the talk, please, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it may be, spread the word, guys. And if you get the opportunity, please leave us a review on iTunes, Podomatic, or YouTube. That would be greatly appreciated. And as always... Thank you guys for everything you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.